Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. You're listening to episode number 79, can you believe it, with Kayla O'Connor. And I'll tell you right now, Kayla was such a trooper because Wilson was really not having a good day. He was really sick and he threw up in the middle of the podcast. So we had to like pause, come back. So shout out to Berta for the mad editing skills because it was just not Wilson's day. But we did have a really good conversation about human design, about PR, about how the two things are related. And Kayla's really fascinating, you guys. Definitely reach out to her, KMO Consulting, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Wilson, say hi. (laughs) Good boy. Kiss my aesthetic, branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag-worthy brands through visual identity, design, and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice, so enjoy the episode. Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I have a PR pro, Kayla. Welcome to the pod. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. We're so excited to have you, and I'm glad that we connected because we're both having a very off day, and if you hear Wilson (laughs) crying in the background, he played way too hard at the beach, and I think he has a little bit of an upset tummy, which is how we started this whole thing, and then all kinds of tech troubles. Please explain to everybody what's going on. Well, as I was saying, Mercury's in retrograde, and I think it was May 10th through June 2nd. And although I'm more versed in human design and astrology, what I do know is when Mercury's in retrograde, a lot of technology mishaps happen, and there's like miscommunication, things move a little bit slower. And so it can cause a lot of frustration. But if you like, you know, there's a high vibe and a low vibe to everything and you kind of lean into it. There's always a reason and things are always working for us. So we were delayed. So your pup could rest and hydrate. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And he's still like whining about it. So apologies. We have a little sound clip at the end. that's like, Wilson, say hi. And he goes, kind of like the, (laughs) my favorite murder podcast, the Elvis, you want a cookie? Yeah. You know, so Wilson's very much a a character of the podcast, but we're not here to talk about Wilson. We're here to talk about you. So for anyone (laughs) who doesn't know you, can you explain who you are, what you do, who you help and how you help them? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're this dog. (laughs) I hear you, buddy. Fun fact, I'm also an animal communicator, so we'll just have him be a part of this podcast too. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. But um, yes, I'm Kayla for um, the Human design astrology people, I'm a 6-2 splenic projector, Aries sun, Sagittarius rising, Libra moon. And I always think that's really important to call out. Um, I am a CEO of Camo World. And Camo World is really, it started off as Camo Consulting, and it's an affiliate PR consulting and training business. My background's in PR. Um, But then it also added an energetic extension of KMO HD, and that's really the human design business and coaching aspect of it. So I rebranded just in the last couple of months of KMO World because I didn't want to feel like I had to be put in a box. Um, And I just wanted to create whatever I wanted to create under that umbrella. And so the people that I serve are on the KMO consulting side. Um, direct-to-consumer brands, managing their affiliate PR programs, and then also PR professionals. So I have over a decade in public relations. And my experience in you know that career in that field, there's a lot of low-worth, high-anxiety, burnout energy. 
And when I found affiliate PR, affiliate marketing is kind of like this new aspect to PR that it's really required. We are now for the first time as PR professionals able to see like a dollar amount for um, the revenue that an article generates for our clients. And so there's this not only inevitable shift that no one was training about it. And I was kind of like perfect place at the perfect time to be at the forefront of the shift in this industry, but it also creates this like really empowering opportunity for peer professionals. So I, the second half of KMO consulting, I trained peer professionals and then for KMO.HD, it really is just anyone and everyone that wants to learn about their human design chart. Um, I have a huge passion in working with entrepreneurs because every single business decision I make is based off of my human design chart. I throw any strategy how-to PDF out the window and I make every single decision based off of my human design alignment. I find it super fascinating. I have had my human design chart read very briefly. What's your Project- chart? I'm a projector. That's all that I know. Oh, um, amazing. So you can kind of break down what that means. But for someone who's not as familiar with human design, can you explain like Because it's, from my understanding, it's like a combination of all these different types of information that then gets collected and put into this kind of reading. Is that the right terminology? Yeah. So, um, and I'll just talk, even if you have to go tend to the pop, it's all good. Um, It's actually really on brand to have dog noises in the background of the podcast. So if you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. (laughs) But with human design, it is a combination of like, if you look at a body graph you see chakras and centers. And then on the sides, you see like astrology signs. And so it really is a culmination of a few different things, but at its core, it's an individual's energetic blueprint. It's supposed to show you how you contribute energy into this world, how you receive and take in energy, and then how you use energy to make decisions, to move with life, Um, where you gain wisdom and what are your strengths. And so it's really this energetic blueprint that can be applied to every single thing in your life. And it's, it's, it's really fascinating. There's one thing that I get frustrated sometimes in the mainstream astrology space is so easily we can like attach a certain astrology sign to maybe a negative characteristic, right? Whereas human design, there's really no bad anything. There's a high and a low frequency or, you know, you can always overcompensate or under deliver or not pay attention to something, but it really is all just, you know, most of the time when I talk to someone about their human design chart, they have never felt so seen. It's like really, really intimate you know, so many things about a human when I look at a chart and they, they say the expression or they share with me, you know, it feels like I'm coming home to who I, like, it feels like I'm coming home. What you're saying to me feels like home. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times, you know, what someone has been told is wrong or bad or weird about them is actually their like biggest strength and and like magic within their chart. And and so it, it just shows where you need to decondition And at the end of the day, like we're all just living in our own perspective. So conditioning is just someone told us something based off of their own experience or their own perspective. And so it's not saying that we are deconditioning from what's wrong. We're just deconditioning from what's unaligned for us. 
That makes a lot of sense. And that's actually very similar in a lot of ways to what we do with branding, right? So there's so much unspoken visual communications that happen like every day. 80% of the information we take in is visual. And when I'm working with my brand design clients, the feedback that I get is, wow, you understood me better than I understood my brand. Like you understood what I was going for in my audience and the aesthetics and the inspiration and the knowledge and the art history and the everything way more than I ever thought was possible. And yeah. that's always such fun feedback for me because it taps into something that's more than just like, it's not order taking, right? There's this creative process. There are these these kind of checkpoints, but then there's also something you can't really describe in that. And so mm-hmm. can you talk about your work between human design and how that bleeds into PR and affiliate marketing and how the two are maybe like intertwined? Because I have a feeling you have a similar experience. Yeah, and I love hearing that from you, knowing that you're a projector, because us as projectors, we are like the type that is everything that goes against conditioning. We're not supposed to do, we're, we are, if we, if you think of a jungle, just go with me on this, we are like birds flying in the sky. So how we see things, others don't see where you're able to work with a brand and see everything come together and it just makes sense visually you can pick you can see their energy you can see their services you can see their need their value we are able to see everything at at a full scale whereas generators and other types of energy types they're like the animals on the ground you know they're like walking down the street seeing the different storefronts whereas we're like another analogy a plane flying over the sky and seeing the entire skylight together so I, that's, that's so in alignment for you. And I love that. Um, so how that bleeds into my business. Now, I was very resistant when I found out I was a projector because we are told we are non-energy types. And our strategy, which is how we receive things, is to wait for the invitation. So I'm also curious in your life and your business, how, how frequently do people come to you? versus you having to sell yourself. Yes. So business comes so naturally, but dating, I am the opposite. In my personal life, like I want to be approached. I want to be pursued. I want to be flirted with. I don't want to put myself like towards that energy because I, number one, don't want to be rejected. And number two, like there's something about that that's like this weird energy exchange. Whereas in my my professional life, like I love like getting to know people, but more often than not, they're finding their way to me because they're like magnetically drawn to my content or the type of of things that I'm putting out or the projects that I'm sharing or my energy or how I can get excited about things. Um, so it is interesting. I see kind of a little bit of both. So, and the thing is, is for as projectors, we don't have to wait for the invitation for everything, right? If I want to hire an employee, I don't have to wait for someone to come to me and say they want to work with me. Right, right. It's more so like we need to be invited to share our opinion. And we also need to be, but the thing is, is we can't just sit on a couch and wait for someone to invite us. We have to be seen. Totally. So for you in this podcast, this is the best way for you to be seen and and for the invites to come in because you are searchable you are found you know people can find you and then invite you the biggest part of my business was making sure that i was operating in energetic alignment as a projector oftentimes in the pr field we are burnt the f out you know i spent all of my career working in an agency setting and just being given so many clients 
and just feeling like I couldn't keep up with everyone. And I was just burnt out experiencing like health issues, anxiety, panic attacks, all the things. And so when I started this business, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to not overwork myself. I'm going to provide quality, not quantity. I'm going to charge the retainer that feels really good and successful for me. So what that means for me is a smaller amount of clients, higher priced offers. And then I knew it was important for me to find a generator as kind of like my first hire because generators are energy. They're an energy type and they are such a compliment to a projector. They respond to things. They can go, 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 go. You give them a list of 50 to-dos and they will knock that each to-do off within a day. And so those are like really the two main areas that I prioritize and continue to prioritize in regards to my human design and my business. I'm listening to Rocket Fuel right now. I don't remember who the author is. I should pull it up on my Audible. But he talks about similar terminology, but maybe slightly different of a visionary integrator duo. So the visionary being the projector, the person that sees everything at the bird's eye view, that's the creative ideas, that's like the kind of morale booster, the driver of the whole thing. And then the integrator is exactly this person you're describing as a generator, which is like, Hi, Wilson. Give them a list of 100 to-dos and they're ready, but they don't want to be leaned on to be the one to come up with the new service or to come up with a new offering or plan the photo shoot or do the high-level stuff. Is that tracking with what you're explaining? Yes and no. So let me just explain. Um, So there are five different types in human design. Definitely Uh the visionary. So let's think of like like a startup manifestors are a non-energy type, but they are the initiators. They are the only type that, that doesn't need anything else to start. So they are the inventor. And then the manifestor invents this new idea, comes up with this new idea, and then they pitch the idea to the generator and say, okay, go create it. And then the projector is overseeing the team uh-huh, and uh-huh. guiding. We are the guiders we consult and guide and we are able we we guide the creation of something based off of how we can see things whether it's creating efficiency whether it's you know seeing someone's ability and again this goes a little bit more granular into like what parts of your chart are defined and open because any parts that are open that's where you gain wisdom because you absorb and you see others more so than you do yourself and then areas that you are defined are your strengths. So I can tell right now, I have a feeling you have a defined throat of like, you're very vocal. You have your, you know, you can articulate your own tone of voice very, very well. But as a designer, maybe you might have an undefined G center. So you're able to see someone's like purpose and the way that their brand should resonate with their soul's purpose really well versus, you know, having it defined and being more in your own and sitting in your own, if that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. And I kind of describe it when I'm working with my clients is like, I get to have very control. Like, excuse me, buddy, you got to stop. He's never done this on the podcast before. (laughs) Of course. Um, But yeah, when I explain it to my clients, I'm very much explaining like, I love doing what I do because I get to kind of like cosplay or 
multiple personality, all these different business ideas. And then I don't have to do the work part. Like I get to make it look beautiful. And then I go, here you go. Like, go for it. Have at it. And it's going to be amazing. And I get to cheer them on in their own success. But that it's not so much the day-to-day stuff, which my deficiencies are more the attention to detail and like doing repetitive work consistently. That's very boring to me. I get like shiny object syndrome and then I want to do this and then I want to do this and I want to do this. And it physically pains me to pull together a newsletter every month because I'm like, this is just not the way I like to work. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's exactly where like having the awareness of what drains your energy or doesn't like light you up and then off like you know, I'm sure your assistant or your colleague is a generator or a manifesting generator, definitely an energy being. And that's, they love the doing. And that's where it's like finding the complement to, to your business. It's like, we're not supposed to do it all. Entrepreneurs should not do it all. Humans should not do it all. You know, the most successful people know what they love and what they don't. And then they give what they don't to someone that loves what they don't. You know, it's like, there's joy in all parts of your business, but you don't have to experience it. You can give what you don't, what doesn't give you joy onto someone else that will get joy doing that task. Absolutely. That makes so much sense to me. And it makes so much sense also in the people that I've brought on to help is like how their skill sets then accent. Oh my goodness. My dog is like me. He doesn't take breaks when he's tired. He just keeps going. He's like, if I like this, I'm going to do it till two in the morning, which is also what I did last night. So I took him to the beach. Oh, as a projector, you need to rest. I know, but I'm going on this great big trip starting Friday. It's three weeks with my sister and we're going New York and then all over Europe together. So I'm in very much this like, and maybe you have these kind of seasonality things with your business or you can give someone advice of like, if you find yourself kind of like burning the candle at both ends what are those good ways to kind of self-correct? Because I've been doing this for eight years and I still find myself in patterns of like, oh, I'm feeling creative right now. So I'm going to do this right now because I don't know if I'm going to feel that creative again. Or I'm in a, in, a, in a vibe, in a zone, even though I know I should rest. What is your advice to someone who's kind of like, doesn't have good self-regulatory practices in that way? Because I never worked a nine to five. I was straight out of college, started my business, was totally self-employed. Um, so it's a blessing and a curse. I didn't have like that rigid structure. Um, but as yourself, like maybe you can talk even about your own work style of like when you're in the flow versus when you're not in the flow. Mm, That's such a good question. Again, I would literally look at someone's human design chart before giving advice. I don't think it's black or white. So for me, I'll speak to myself. So for me, there's a few things that kind of inform how I run my business and work and all the things. So there are four arrows at the top of the human design chart. The top left arrow is all about your schedule. If it's facing left, you need a more structured schedule. Like you should work like eight to five or have meetings on this day of the week, like structure. It's more active. Um, If it's facing right, it's more passive. So my arrow faces right. So I don't pressure myself to have to work within business hours. I don't pressure. And that actually gives me more of permission, self-permission to, if I'm having an off day, I'm having an off day. But if I'm like grooving, I will work a 12 hour day. Um, And it just going with the flow and allowing my desire and energy to determine what my schedule is. Now, obviously there's stuff that like 
I, that is consistent, but I keep my schedule at its core really flowy. Um, and I don't schedule too far in advance. My bottom left arrow, my environment is consistent. So I need an office, a place to sit down. Whereas if your arrow is facing right, you might hop around all over the place, like grab a laptop, do not have one place that you can work, move around and get varying places that inspire you. Um, If your chart is a triple split like me, I, which means, and I'm going to talk in human design terminology. So let me know if you want me to explain something. Yeah, no, please do. It's super fascinating. Yeah, go for it. So that means that the energy is not a consistent flow. Like I have two defined centers here and then no channel is connecting my throat to my G center. And then I don't have a connection to like my root and my spleen. So it's almost like there's like three parts of me. So just simply leaving the house, if anyone listening is looks at their human design chart and sees like a split or a triple split, just go to a coffee shop absorbing the energy of others will naturally connect. And all of a sudden, my creative ideas, I can logically think how to do it, how to communicate it. And then I tap into my root as like the pressure to like get it done. And some of my favorite things is like most some things that again, are told are wrong, can be a benefit. So since I have a defined root, procrastination is actually really in alignment for me. I well, Let's talk about that. I got that yeah. question on my TikTok live last night. Somebody said, what do you do to stop procrastinating projects? And I have my answer, but I want to hear your answer first. Yeah. So if someone had a defined group and asked me, I would say that it's a waste of their time to work in advance you work in the most efficient, inspired way by having pressure of a deadline. Now, it's the high vibe of that to have awareness around how much time something takes. So I know if I need two hours to complete a task, I'm not going to just start working on it 30 minutes in advance. So there's a level of awareness around how much time you need toward that. But I do my best work like 30 minutes before a client call. And I've completely released the the concept that procrastination is bad. I just I put something on my to-do list and if I know I can get it done, the closest I can assign it to when it's due. So due dates are massive for a defined root. Due dates for everything. If you have a defined root and someone gives you a task and there's not a due date, you're not going to get it done. So there's there's your answer right there. If someone has an open root, so again, defined means it's colored. It's colored in. Open means it's white if you're looking at your chart. And so if your root is white, then you love space. You love a spacious. You don't want to be given something that's due the next day. The thing is that, again, it's awareness around how, how long will a specific task take you. But you you get it done when you feel like there's space and you're not pressured with a due date, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So my advice was really similar to yours in that I avoid the procrastination by having it be giving myself enough time to not have to perform under pressure. So maybe I'm more the flowy one where it's like, 
I know I've blocked off six weeks for this project and I know what due dates I have in my head, but I'm not going to force myself to be creative like day one, Monday morning. Like that's not how that's going to work. But I know that I, you know, block off Wednesdays to do design work. And I know what day I have dedicated to that specific client on that Wednesday. And then for the weeks leading up to that Wednesday, I'm already kind of ruminating on it in the back of my head and like chewing on it and kind of thinking about it in the shower and on my dog walks. And because it's kind of has to be this combination of all these different pieces that come together so that when I do sit down to do the work, it's like, boom, have it ready to go. It's really interesting. You know, if you want to drop in your information, I'll pull up your chart because just from having this conversation, I, this is what I'm picking up. Um, consistent schedule, inconsistent environment, defined throat, defined Ajna, which is logical, open crown. I think like inspired ideas, like being able to absorb creative ideas based off of your clients, that, that could be a strength of yours definitely an open route. And then you feel very, um, I would say emotional authority. I, but that's just me kind of like, I always like to like play around. I love like this guess. stuff. This is fun. I have no idea where my chart is and I wish I could find it for you and send it to you because it's somewhere deep in my email, but that's making a lot of sense. And I think it's so funny that we like, we really have only just touched base only on this podcast, but that you're picking up on those things is so cool. Um, And it's interesting how you then apply that to business, right? So like the more that we learn about ourselves and I'm a big proponent of learning and like continuing to learn and evolve and grow. And the more that we learn is the better that we can, like you're saying, embrace our proficiencies and hire for our deficiencies or get help with our deficiencies and that your deficiencies, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in being good at something and not good at other things. It's just like the natural happenings of human beings and like the world that we're in. Um, what are some of your favorite resources for learning this kind of stuff? Cause you're so knowledgeable about it. Yeah. So I've been working with a one-on-one human design coach for gosh, nine, 10 months. I first found out about human design. Um, let's see, September of 2019. And I just moved to LA. I was a Reiki master. I'm a um, Reiki master practitioner. So I very much can read energies. And so that's why I resonate a lot with human design too. Um, and when I found out I was a projector, I was three months into my PR job that was, I, th- I felt like I was dying inside, like I had chronic anxiety. And I found out I was a projector. And the next day I walked into my job and I quit. I just quit at like 8am. <laughs> and I've never done that before. Oh my and gosh, so that's, in- that's incredible. It was wild. And then this is the first time that I saw being a projector or the universe really rewarding concrete worth decisions. I had drained my 401k knowing that I wanted to leave this job. Didn't know when I was going to. I found out I was a projector, got the splenic hit, which I'm splenic authority to leave my job, left my job the next day. And within 24 hours, an acquaintance, not even a friend reached out to me looking for someone to do freelance PR. And I had my first client within 24 hours that paid all my bills. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait. Yep. What year is this again? <laughs> this happened when for you? How many years ago in your business? Yeah, September of 2019 was when I left my business. Got it. And okay. So, 
I then I left or I left my my job. I quit my job in 2019. And so then I went for with kind of the knowledge of being a projector, I started freelancing. And I wasn't in full embodiment. I was still in learning mode. Learning about your human design and embodying it is two totally different things. So I was freelancing and I was kind of doing all the wrong things for the like I was doing everything for everyone. Right. Which most people do when they start, right? Exactly. And I just, I didn't feel the worthiness. And so it just wasn't coming. So five months into trying to be a freelancer, running out of my 401k money, borrowing like 30 grand from my mom to pay rent in LA and all the things. I was like, okay, Kayla, like, let's go back to, let's go back to the corporate world. But I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back into PR so I was applying, I, I swear I probably applied to 50 different jobs, but of course, being a projector, the job that I took was the one message I got in LinkedIn from a recruiter. And they wanted to hire someone with PR experience to help expand their newly acquired affiliate marketing channel. I kid you not, Michelle, I didn't even know what the heck affiliate was, but I took that job. because so I was like, I'm curious. I want to learn. I'm burnt out with PR. I'm kind of over it. I'm not getting anything. So I took that job and it was truly the right place at the right time because it was at the very beginning of when publishing groups like Condé Nast and Meredith Publishing were developing affiliate marketing teams that... um, So I was able to get on the phone with the affiliate manager at Condé Nast and Meredith and they were able to explain to me our editors now are including affiliate links when they write about products because print sales are going down. Like they, these publishing groups need to find a way to make money. And instead of, you know, having brands pay for these big CPC campaigns or big media campaigns, they're now including a link in coverage. Whereas if any consumer makes, you know, purchases this swimsuit that's recommended in a roundup, then Vogue gets 20% of that sale. And it was like, ding, like a light went on as a projector. And I just started experimenting and geeking out. And my very first, you know, form of piece of evidence of this was I was um, managing a CBD client, um, Highline Wellness at the time. And they were coming out, this was April of 2020. So COVID just hit too. And they were coming out with a CBD hand sanitizer when all the hand sanitizers were all the rave. I got a feature article on people.com and Dang. and it was a $7 product within four days generated thousands of dollars in sales. Ooh. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I started working on Girlfriend Collective, Sustainable Athleisure and was heading up their PR efforts during Q4 of 2020. And it was just like, holy crap, like no one knows what's going on in the PR space. Someone has to do this. And the agency looked at me like dollar dollar signs and I was managing like 30 clients. So fast forward to December of 2020, I was back to being a burnt out projector, but made the promise that I was going to start KMO December of 2020 and not be burnt out and do it the aligned way. Oh my gosh. I love this whole timeline because I think, again, when you have this kind of perfect message, like you said, from the universe, it's like, I'm, I've got to go in and quit. I got to start something else. What wonderful timing that then everyone would need exactly what you have to offer 
starting with the whole pandemic and very similar to, to my services, right? Like people were starting businesses. I did 41 brands in 2020. That's mm. so many logos. Um, but it was awesome because it was just this crazy kind of gold rush almost kind of moment. You had a really good piece of content on your Instagram that I just binged before we recorded this podcast. That was the difference between old PR and new PR. And I think you spoke to it very well because you included kind of this affiliate piece. Can you explain the difference between those two things, old school PR versus like kind of this new school PR? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought that up. So old school PR, it you pitch editors and it's this is what's sim- similar. It's organic. So you don't pay for a placement. It's not guaranteed. You are reaching out to an editor and trying and showcasing the product or the brand and painting this picture of why they should cover it and how it resonates with their readers. Everything is about readership and consumer resonance and, and demand, right? And so working in the field of PR pre-affiliate, we would pitch editors, get a placement, and then try to figure out what that placement actually meant to the brand. There was no way of tracking like revenue or sales. I remember creating this like add value equivalency spreadsheet to show like the ROI of our efforts or the ROI of this specific article placement. And it was like, you know, uh, an inclusion in a print magazine. And so if you were to buy an ad placement in this print magazine, it would have cost you $10,000. So this PR placement is actually $10,000. It just, it felt very like gray and wishy-washy. And there's always this like, brands never wanted to, this was my experience too. I'll just say it was my experience of brands didn't necessarily see the value crystal clear in PR efforts. It's always been told it's great for brand awareness. It's at the very beginning of the sales funnel. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing things at the very beginning of the sales funnel, you likely don't have like additional funds to throw away, quote unquote, without seeing the direct conversion or ROI of the investment in the PR field. So going from like an energetic and feeling level of, you know, old school PR, it was very low worth trying to convince and really being the first one to get cut. Talk about COVID when all of a sudden brands are strapped for cash, freaking out. And there's this huge shift in the PR career, PR industry, whereas what PR professionals used to do to get coverage are now receiving crickets from editors because they're not sharing the affiliate link that's required to get coverage. I like wow. my heart sings, my heart sings. And that's why I'm so passionate about like training PR professionals to scale their businesses and be empowered. So now with affiliate PR, it is more empowering and um, we have a seat at the table that we've never had and we're running, we're running the meeting. It's like almost like a complete 180. I will pitch an editor. I almost I, I described to an, a prospective client today, trying to explain them why the new shifts. I'm like, I feel like we're now pitching investors versus editors because editors literally. now literally. literally editors now are being required to generate 
X amount of dollars per article that they write. So when we pitch an editor, I have to show them the potential of money that they can make. And when an article lands, you know, I'm able to go back to my client and say, this article placement has driven $5,000 for you. And 70% of those sales are new customers. That is unheard. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been on a phone call with four middle-aged men telling them about KPIs and what the potential of affiliate PR is. And they're speechless. They're like, no, no, there's no way. I'm like, it is like PR is so valuable. Yeah. And and it's, it's it's so much more measurable now than it used to be. Right. Like to your point, like branding, people ask me, what's the ROI of branding? I was like, that's such a lofty question. Right. Because it's so hard to, to measure. And like now because of social media and tracking links and affiliate and all these things, like we can measure it a lot better, but there is no real at least from my perspective, sink your teeth into it. Like my people used to think this about my brand and now they think this about my brand, unless you start just surveying a bunch of people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is quite fascinating. And PR in general is very interesting to me. Um, it's interesting also as well, because now kind of the discourse on social media has been that the influencer industry is really changing. I don't know mm. how much you're in into that space, but kind of the fact that anybody could be an influencer has also diluted the space a lot and created this, a lot of sameness within the industry where people are, because they have brand deals, afraid to have opinions and afraid to be a little bit more ruffling of feathers, which may have gotten them to where they are in the first place. But then there was a TikToker that I follow that she's like, it seems like everyone dislikes the ways that influencers make money. Mm-hmm. And they're there yeah. just trying to have a job just like the rest of us. But because it's not perceived as a skill set, like think of the Kim Kardashian as it, of it all. Like she got on SNL in her monologue and said, I don't sing. I don't dance. I'm not a model. I'm not, I don't have any of these things, but here I am, you know? So I'm wondering just of your, from your positioning with the PR and the human design side, how do you consider influencers and influencer marketing as relating to or unrelating to what you do and the influence on how it's changed the marketing space. Mm, Yeah. So I would say editors are the very first OG influencers, really. Back in the day, there was one beauty editor at Vogue. There was one, you know, so there's a lot of influence and power as viewing these editors as the people that truly and, and they're on salary. You know what I mean? Like it really is such an authentic expression of influence, really. Would you call that kind of like taste making or like curating when you're in that role? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, but to go back to your influencer question, it's so funny because I don't think there's like a one size fits all type of answer or approach. Now in the affiliate space, it has allowed in like people, humans to share organically what they're using and just simply like not so much in your face. Here's a link. If you, if you want my lipstick, like if, if you like this color of lipstick, here's, here's a link. And it's not so much in your face. It's more organic and integrated in your lifestyle that then they get a cut from it. Now, I I don't work in the influencer space as much. And I, I do understand the amount of effort and work that goes into creating pieces of content. And I do find that 
influencers working on only a commission-based partnership isn't the most ideal or possibly the first route if that is like their main source of income. Because it really is performance-based versus, you know, they might put a ton of time into a piece of content and it just doesn't, you know, the algorithm all of a sudden changes and it doesn't perform and they don't get you know, the revenue or the compensation that they desire or deserve. Right. Um, But what I love about the affiliate space and the influencer space, it, it just allows people to share. And it's, it's funny, like talking about Kim Kardashian, she is, um, I believe she's a generator or a manifesting generator, regardless, both of them, they are sacral authority. She's a sacral authority. And the sacral is all about the desires. And you and I as projectors, we have an open sacral. So we absorb others' desires more than we have our own. And she, I I call it a sacral snack. (laughs) Like when a generator, if I'm looking, if I'm following someone on Instagram or whatnot, I can almost feel they're like, when a, when a sacral being or a generator is telling me you need to go to this restaurant because this me- item on the menu is so delicious, the energy behind like you can sense the authenticity and the actual desire and joy behind it. That to me is like can break through any opinions. It's potent. Now, when an influencer maybe dips below their alignment and works with a brand that they're not aligned with and doesn't light them up, then the energy is not going to be received. And that's when people might have opinions. And as an influencer, if you're receiving negative energy more than positive, I'd almost ask, is is that a mirror being held up to you? Is it happening for right. you to show you that there's misalignment, whether in how you're sharing content, who you're working with. And so to me, it, again, it's like everything in business, Every it's all run by humans and humans are run by energy. Your energy speaks before you do. And so it's, it's funny. I love how you're asking me just all these business questions and it, it just really comes back to energy. <laughs> everything does and everything does. And that's why I love hosting this podcast. Like I get to talk to people who just are interesting and have, maybe we have things in common and maybe we don't. But for me, it's such a great brainstorm space. Whereas totally. I don't always get the opportunity to flex the brainstorm muscles necessarily like with my team or with my clients, because I have to show up as the one with the answers and not Mm -hmm. always the questions, you know what I mean? And so it's nice to have a dedicated space to just show up with questions and just genuinely ask someone like, what are your thoughts about this? And so that's why I love doing things like this. And you've been a wonderful guest, even with Wilson's um, crisis in the background. So I I (laughs) thank you so much for your patience and your grace on that. Um, I think that you're just an absolute treasure trove and that people should definitely check out your content and find a way to work with you. Can you explain to us who you work with best and how they can find you and maybe use some of your services? Yes. So um, you can find me online at camoworld.org or on Instagram at camo.consulting and camo.hd. So the ways that you can work with me, if you are a small direct-to-consumer brand, or a PR marketing professional, and you want to work with me for affiliate PR, um, if you want to learn how to do affiliate PR, I have what's called the Affiliate PR Club, and that's geared towards PR professionals. It's a monthly membership um, where we have one training call, one Q&A call, 
And it's really just creating a community, an inclusive community in, in the field of PR, where I am able to share my knowledge and provide training. Now, for direct-to-consumer brands, we offer monthly um, full-service management, or we have a strategic start, so brands that want to get started on an affiliate program, or a strategic audit. So if you already have an affiliate program, you're like, okay, what needs to be done? Like, how can I scale this? How can I work with editors? So that's on the consulting side. And so for KMOHD, if you are curious about your human design chart, you can book a one-on-one chart reading with um, my girl, Hannah. She's a generator, 5-1 emotional generator. She's amazing. We've been best friends for over 15 years. She was my generator hire and she came to me and asked me to hire her. So it was just the most divine alignment. Um, if you are familiar with your human design chart, or let's say you got a reading with her and you're like, I want to dive deeper. I want to embody this. I do one-on-one coaching for projectors. And this is where I work with a projector entrepreneur, kind of like yourself, Michelle, for an example. And we would take a look at your human design chart and see where are areas of misalignment, where can you make shifts? Because the whole purpose of a projector is to feel successful. And if you're making money and it doesn't feel good, is that really success? And so working with projector entrepreneurs one-on-one on how to scale their business. So the success feels so good um, is the closest container you can work with me. And then I do have some programs coming out for all different types. I have a really intimate mastermind that will be announced um, mid-June or July. So I will share those details with you so you can include that in your meeting notes if you want or your podcast. Yes, definitely. Please share everything. And guys, please go check her out. We're going to make sure everything's linked in the show notes, all the things that we talked about, socials, website, everything. Thanks so much for listening and thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I love it. Thanks, Kayla. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.